Hello and welcome to the Harvard EdCast, a series of conversations with thought leaders in the field of education from across the country and around the world. I'm your host, Matt Weber, and today we're taking a look at the nation's largest school district. And our guest is Carmen Farina, Chancellor of the New York City Department of Education, a veteran educator of nearly 50 years here at Harvard to discuss her vision of common sense solutions and her focus on rigorous standards and equity. Welcome to the EdCast. Oh, pleasure to be here. Quite the mouthful of an introduction, but you've earned it. 50 years in the field. And counting. Does it feel like it? Um, no, it's actually gone very fast. Uh, and it's great to be 50 years because all that experience helps you go on to the next few years. So is it looking at a career that spans five decades, are we looking at each year you learn something new, there's a new sense of growth, you grow deeper in wisdom, are there particular years that were stronger years that we're learning, was the beginning hardest, is now the hardest, is it easy, you know, all the different sort of, share with us a little bit about your 50 years in education. Well, first of all, you learn something new every day, uh, and I still believe that I have a lot to learn, but I think at every stage of my life, from being a teacher to being a principal, staff developer, superintendent, I've run the gamut. Um, I think I've spent enough, enough time in each of those areas that really being good at being a teacher helped me become a much better staff developer, helped me become a much better principal. So I think the one thing I learned is that if you to have credibility and start making decisions that impact 1.1 million children, that having had the experience of being in the classroom, being in the school, being in a district office does make a difference. People tend to listen to you more um, when they know you've walked in their shoes. So I think that's the biggest lesson learned. But I think in terms of difficulty, um, it all depends on the situation you're dealing with. Talk about a little bit coming into the situation as chancellor. In New York, which is not just a New York-centered thing, it's a national or international place to be leader of the sort of education field there. Talk about what you inherit and then what you do to put your own stamp, your own mark on your time as chancellor. Well, I think the biggest advantage I had is that in the years that I was semi-retired, I had been visiting a lot of schools. So even in my non-working years, I visited close to 200 schools. So I had a really good sense of what I thought New York needed, and it wasn't coming you know, cold to something from the outside. I think the other thing that was very important is that I, I had had a prior working relationship with Mayor de Blasio when I had been a superintendent. He had been on my school board, so we knew kind of how to work together. So it wasn't a matter of having to adjust to each other's styles. We really kind of knew how we functioned. And I think coming in, the fact that people knew who I was made it easier for me to make decisions. So if I said we're going to put an emphasis back on professional development, everybody said, oh, yes, that's Carmen. Um, if I said we're going to restructure and make sure we have strong superintendents, people said, oh, okay, that's Carmen. So having the credibility and the fact that people knew kind of how you thought they're, the people that I really cared about, which were the educators in the field, were willing to take a chance and really jump and, and really do the work that needs to be done. I think it's that relationship with the, the chancellor and the mayor that is really interesting in terms of shaping the vision for education in New York City. And we've seen other examples over the past years of a mayor comes in and the mayor's vision is seen through the chancellor's vision. Um, who comes up with a lot of the ideas, and, and what is the relationship you talk about? You know how you each other, how each other work together. Talk about your abilities to shape vision yourself versus what you take as a sort of note from the mayor. Well, I think the thing that we both agree and we're passionate about is the issue of equity, that all children deserve 
a wonderful education that's going to lead him to college. And this is something he and I have been talking about for years. So we, we start with that, and he has to look at it from the point of view, which of all his other agencies are going to be on board so we can do that. And I have to look at it from the lens of the educator. You know, what do we have to do in each school, particularly in our underserved schools, to make sure that that vision comes to play? But as long as we're looking at equity and college ready, and those are the common words between the two of us, it's his vision and mine meets his vision, and it's my carrying out the vision in my own particular area that makes it all happen. Talk a little bit about, I know in the national news, we've heard so much about early early pre-K and, and having that be a priority in a lot of the mayoral race and things like that. Talk about how that's going, where that's at, and, and how easy or hard it is to implement. Well, obviously the challenge is always when you're doing something that dramatic, convincing people that it's possible. And I think the mayor making this such a commitment of his, a lot of people said, no way you're going to start pre-K with 53,000 children and going into next year with an additional 10 to 20,000. So finding the space, making sure we had enough teachers to go into the space, making sure the teachers we had were the best qualified, that was probably the biggest challenge of them all. Getting universities on board to partner with us to make sure that we could send them all for summer training. And then really creating teams of experts that will actually go into the field and monitor what's happening in the field. So at least two of the schools I visit every week have pre-Ks in them so I can just also personally monitor what's happening. We've had to set up off-site a lot pre-Ks and what we call CBEX, which is really community schools. But it's all seamless in terms of the curriculum. All teachers, no matter where they're teaching pre-K, are doing it in the same way. And I think the other thing that's really been wonderful is seeing the growth of these pre-K students, which will then make our kindergarten classrooms much richer for it, and yet not you know steal the joy of being a child. I mean, one of the things we've been very, very careful about is that we want to ultimately raise the second grade reading level, and this pre-K gives us an extra year, but we can't lose the sense of joy and play that pre-K is all about. Is it tough in your job, and maybe you like this part, maybe you don't, and some people like the sort of politicking of this, is it hard when everything does become politicized, where, where there, there are people who take sides, or you're for or against charters, the unions, here, this and that, all these different pieces, and, and it seems like someone always has to have, uh, you know, they're the anti-charter pro-union person, or they're the whatever. It, did you, do you wish it wasn't that way? And is there a way to get away from that? It's the same thing with political elections. This person's pro-life, and this person's anti-death penalty, and all these different things. Is it hard to get away from the politicking in your work? I think, first of all, you don't get away from it, but you really try to explain it better. So I think we have to become a lot more careful about how we explain what it is that we're doing and why we're doing it. I think also I've tried to move very much from a competitive stance to a collaborative stance. I visit charter schools. I work with charter schools. I'm really trying. I am the chancellor of all the children in New York City, whether they're parochial schools, private schools, or charter schools. So I don't see that as a problem. I think, again, the credibility and the fact if you always work from your basic principles, you can't get in trouble because whatever comes at me, and it does, you're absolutely right politically, I will explain it in the framework of what I believe to be true. So it isn't about all of a sudden, you know, 10 people here are telling you do that. And well, No, this is what I believe in. My job is to convince those sides to come together around what I believe is true. But if you keep the fact in mind that it's all about the children, it's not about the adults, it's not about the systems, it's not about the politics, it's about the kids – then I think you you know you're you're on a much safer road. And a lot of people have noted that about your your time as chancellor that the words collaboration and teamwork do come out a lot. 
And oh, good. I'm glad they got the message. <laughs> and is that something that you're purposely, you know, messaging out when, when you're you're being very deliberate in that? And obviously, you just mentioned it stems from your sort of your core beliefs and your mission. If you stick to that, it's hard to deviate from that if that's your sort of ethos. Well, it is my ethos, and it's been in every job I've ever had. As a teacher, my goal was by the June of every school year that my students could run their own classroom. They didn't need me there. I was a facilitator. As a principal, 60 teachers in a building, every one of them was an expert on something. And in June, if I wasn't in the building, nobody knew I wasn't there. I believe that if you're a really good leader, people know what to do without you. They just need you as a support. And collaborating is crucial. I've never been a competitive person. Most of the jobs, even the higher level jobs I've gotten, I never even applied for. I just, you know, somehow or other, they tap me on the shoulder. I need you now. You're like, like fine, 15, I'll take it. 15 minutes. Um, but I think if you're really doing this, and I grew up in a generation where public service really meant something. I'm a, I'm a, you know, my parents were immigrants. I was a non-English speaking student when I started school. To me, it's pay forward. It's about how do you give back to a system that has provided me so much pleasure and so much joy in so many different ways. So being collaborative is, is who I am. People will tell you that. But it also is important for me to get that message out so other people will be collaborative as well. What are you most excited about right now? I mean, you've been in the job for some time now. Uh, what, what is the next big thing that's happening in New York schools that is both innovative, entrepreneurial, and something that you think is really going to be really exciting for you to lead? I think for me, um, restructuring our renewal schools and, and proving that educators at the helm and educators with vision can improve struggling schools with all the attention that we're giving them is going to prove to this country that education is alive and well, and that educators with good hearts and minds uh, can really make a major difference. So as of next week, we will be talking about our new reorganization and people that we're bringing in um, to lead some of that organization. Having strong superintendents after not having them for many years excites me a lot because I have 44 unbelievable superintendents because New York City is a treasure trove of talent and, and knowledge. So being able to tell these people, you know, lead the schools, help them. And again, even in the way that I'm looking at superintendents and what we call the borough field managers, these are all support personnel. The principal is still the most important job in the system. A good principal tops everything. And my job is to support them, and the job of the other people I hire is to support them as well. So I'm very excited as we move to July 1st when all the Renew Org will be in place and be able to say that all our schools will be successful and all our children will be on the way to the workforce or to college. In about an hour, you're going to go up and speak in front of hundreds of people here at Harvard, uh, and they're going to have lots of questions for you. There will be people who agree with you, disagree with you, all, all that. Um, what is it that you hope they take away from, from your talk? And then what are the questions that you typically get most at these types of events, at these forums, a conversation with Carmen Perina? What, what are the questions that people just always, always ask you that you're either uh, you want to set the record straight on or that you know, you'd rather reshape the conversation to something else? I want to stay away from the topic of snow as much as I can. Uh, if I was the chancellor in Boston, I'd be in trouble on a regular basis. Yeah. But I do think that the one hope I, th I have every time I speak to people outside of New York City is to value the experience of educators. I think for too long we have placed education in the hands of everyone but educators. And knowing, because I know several of the people who would be in the audience, also recommending to younger people not to be in a hurry to go up the ladder. I have gotten so much, I was a classroom teacher for 22 years. I was not in a hurry to move up. Um, I think savoring the moment, enjoying the experience you're presently at with always worrying about where you're gonna be next, 
gives you the credibility to do all jobs. And I'm not against people who are not educators taking part in education reform, but if educators are not your partners, you might make a lot of change quickly, but it's not going to be sustained. You know, you mentioned Snow, and that's something that you probably don't think about when you're getting in positions. Uh, you know, you're, you're, you study education, you're, gonna, you're the chancellor, and then all of a sudden these big snowstorms and whether a day should be canceled or not ends up being these bigger things. What else is there that isn't necessarily part of the quote-unquote top 10 things on the job description that do come up that are actually really hard, like dealing with snowstorms and whether you call a day and the political fallout or something like that? Well, I think political fallout you're always going to have, but as long as you listen to people, I mean, I've done a lot of previews. Certainly when I came on board, Common Core was still one of the things people, you know, fussed about. So the first thing I did is call a meeting of all the elected officials, both from New York City and New York State that are represent New York City, to demystify Common Core. We did a workshop for the elected officials. I find education is the solution to lots of things. So when I get a difficult issue, it's about who do I have to bring to the table to talk about. Um, we had a whole Common Core workshop for CEOs who you know, were on one side or the other. So to me, get, giving people more information and really taking their questions head on. I meet with um, the borough presidents on a regular basis. I think the more information you give people, the less pushback you're gonna have. One of the things that I instituted this year, and I've done a lot of them, uh, are town hall meetings with parents. And I travel all over the city, and it's totally Q&A. I don't prepare a speech. I let everybody ask whatever they want. And it gives me a flavor also of what it is that parents have in specific parts of the city. It's, you know, city, the city is not, you know, unanimous. It's what, what, what they worry about in Staten Island is not what they're worrying about in Queens. So going out into the field, letting people know that you're open to hear what they have to say. And then when you hear something that you're not expecting, Making sure you get back to that particular audience within 48 hours. I have a phenomenal leadership team, and they know when I've been to a school by the when I come in when I have assignments for everybody to follow up. So I think keeping your promises, uh, staying true to yourself, and making sure that you hear what people have to say, even if you don't agree with them, so that you can figure out is there a place to come and meet, meet them. In the Last minute of the show, uh, we have a new superintendent in Boston just announced Ad advice. What, what, what can he do? What, what's, what's important for him to lead a, you know, a major city's uh, school system? I would say to have one-on-one -on -one meetings with everyone on your leadership team. Make sure you bring your principals to the table and ask them point blank, what do you do well? What do you need help doing better? Mm -hmm. And what are the things that I, as a superintendent, need to do right away? Three priorities. Do the same thing with your parent lead groups. Do the same thing with your universities. I mean, in Boston, being a superintendent, you have all these treasures in front of you. But having small groups of people who tell you what's on their mind before making any decisions, really understanding the community and the varied voices in the community is crucial before you go out and then try to put your own imprint on something without knowing what's already happened. Last question, the most important question of the day, brought up Boston and New York. It's almost baseball season. Do you care about the Yankees and the Red Sox? Well, Do you have any predictions? Are you a fan? I, I have grandchildren who root for the Red Sox. Oh, okay. My, uh, my son-in-law went to Boston College. Oh, my daughter worked on the uh, Boston Globe. Oh, good. So they have an elite. Well, I don't know how good it is in New York, but that's who they are. Uh, personally, yeah. I'm a soccer fan. Soccer fan. Soccer oh, fan. Oh, so who, you, who do you root for in soccer? Well, I like Real Madrid. Uh, my husband likes Barca. Ah, okay. Because you're from Spain originally, yeah. right? Okay. Well, 
You've been a delight to talk to. Uh, this has been the Harvard EdCast. We've been talking with Carmen Farina, Chancellor of the New York City Department of Education. Good luck today at Harvard. Thank you. This has been the Harvard EdCast, a production of the Harvard Graduate School of Education. I'm your host, Matt Weber. Thank you kindly for listening.